Pretty yeah, cool. I got a a friend that's gone through two courses of anabolic steroids. Um, and I was like, don't they make your balls real small? And his response to me was like, in the most Australian accent ever, he was like, yeah, but they're fucking sick when they're small. They're all out of the way and shit. <laughs> I was like, dude, that's the fucking funniest <laughs> thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, um, I, don't, I don't know yeah. if that's how it's worth those side effects, like tiny balls, right? <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the Mr. Bill Podcast. I'm Anand Harsh, Editor-in-Chief of the Unst.com, Bill's manager, and the Sancho Panza to his Don Quixote. So many shows, so many streams on the record. Let me just take this opportunity to say thank you to all the Mr. Bill fans. And I forgot to celebrate the fact that last episode was number 100. So yeah, thanks to everyone who listens. You're all very cool and attractive. Today's guest is voice actor, sound designer, and composer Simon Chalinski. This is a super behind-the-curtain view of how the sausage gets made. And let me see if I can squeeze in another trite idiom. Nope, I can't. Uh, You're going to enjoy this chat. If you're a Patreon member, you're getting this show a week early. You're also getting a full video of every podcast as it comes in. It's a lot of fun, and you support the show and our podcast producer, Robert, without whom any of this would be possible. Thanks, Robert Fumo, for getting us to the big number 100. And more. Bill has a busy Halloween weekend at Nightmare in Maryland, Freaky Deaky in Texas, and Pandemonium in Los Angeles. The first and third stops are Kill Bill dates, and the middle one is the debut of the Freddy Todd back-to-back set. There are many more dates coming up that I'll tell you about when I feel like it. Finally, head over to MrBillsTunes.com to sign up to become a hardcore Abletoneer. This is how you become a better electronic music producer, period. That's all for me. Enjoy Bill's chat with Simon Shalinsky. Hey, you're listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you're listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you are listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you're 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 listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. cool man all right well yeah how you doing thanks for coming on the podcast yeah i'm good thanks for having me on man it's been a long time since we since we talked it's been uh like years yeah i know yeah we used to chat a lot uh back in the day yeah so but i guess before we go on too much i should like introduce you a little bit uh but like at this point of the conversation like my manager will have done like a whole intro thing so he will have already introduced you and and talked about what you you do and stuff um but just to recap i guess in case he doesn't do it properly (laughs) um you're a sound designer primarily um but also you you write music as well uh and you used to work for unknown worlds and then you got fired for some naughty tweets uh you got you got cancelled and then um and then now are you working for that youtuber guy is that what's going on I do a I do a little bit of work for for this YouTuber, but I'm actually like I'm on three different projects right now. I'm doing like they're all games, uh, so 
yeah, so I'm actually pretty busy. But yeah, still working on games, doing uh, doing music and sound design. Uh, so yeah, like one of uh, like one of the games I'm doing uh, is like a sci-fi kind of thing. That's like my main work right now. Um, it's like a RTS uh, top-down view sci-fi thing. It's actually really cool. Like that one, I'm writing sort of. Uh, the music I'm doing for that is like similar, it's kind of like side chill. It's based on side chill, um, but it's uh, it's like a little bit more like action focused. So it's bringing in like different kind of elements to make it a little bit more like, you know, it's not so peaceful. It's more like uh, a little bit more aggressive. But uh, yeah, so yeah, been been pretty busy uh, recently. Yeah, nice. Yeah, to clarify, I guess, like the the stuff that you used to work on uh, or have worked on in the past, um, you did all the sound design, I believe, for Natural Selection 2, and then you did all of the sound design and all of the music for Subnautica, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I wrote a, a couple of tracks for uh, Natural Selection 2 as well. I wasn't the main music guy there, but I did a couple on that. Nice. Um, yeah, so the only other, well, I've had a couple of sound designers on the podcast now, but I think the only, uh, the closest guest I've had to you on the podcast was Mick Gordon. And I always find it so fascinating. And I also Ivo Ivanov has been on here and he's also kind of like, you know, a sort of developer, sound designer. And I guess Rich, Richard Devine has been on here too. Um, all sort of in that same world. Um, how, and I guess they all have like completely different stories as to how they got into this kind of stuff. Uh, how did you get into this kind of stuff? Um, well, well, I guess like the question would be like, how does one go from, yeah, go from being, I guess, like a music producer to, to, uh, to going like, oh, I've got all these, you know, music production skills and whatnot. How do I go from there to to you know doing all the sounds for a huge game like subnautica or something like that yeah no that's a that's a really good question because I, I think like a lot of sound designers would actually start out this way like they'd be a musician first or a composer and then they kind of adapt their skills to do the sound stuff um so i mean the way the way i started was uh like at the time i was doing a lot of uh, side trance just producing that stuff and which is how really, we originally met right through the side right. yeah, scene yeah we Australia. met at that, uh, that doof yeah i remember mm -hmm. that yeah so i was doing i was doing a bunch of that stuff at the time and i always i always really liked kind of like sci-fi like the kind of sounds that they that i would hear in films that they would do there so i just you know at first i started just incorporating some of those into uh into the music just i thought they just kind of sounded cool um, and that kind of developed into, you know, I, I, after that, I kind of just wanted to actually do more of that. And so what I, what I did is I wanted to teach myself how to do it. So I got, um, uh, I got a trailer. It was like the Starcraft two trailer. Um, oh yeah. I remember this. Yeah. And so I, I got that and I decided I was going to replace all of the sounds in there with my own. Right. At the time, I didn't have any like sound libraries or anything like that. I bought a cheap uh, a recorder. It was like an Olympus handheld recorder thing, like a dictaphone. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and I just proceeded to just record a bunch of stuff and like, you know, put it in there and see how it sounded like. And 
like at the start it was shit and i was like okay this is actually much harder than i thought right like so i was you know i was i was okay at music i was pretty good at that so i thought oh i would adapt to this thing really easily and it turns out like you know sound design is you know it's got its own quirks it's a little bit uh you know there's a bit to learn there so um yeah so that's what i did so over the course of like a few months uh, i kind of worked at this trailer kind of learning what to do and at the time i was also um i was trying to get feedback on this trailer so i was putting it up um back in the day we had forums we didn't have a discord channel so this there was this like uh sound design forum where i would put stuff up and there was actually like some pretty big name uh sound designers that would frequent these forums there was um like a guy that worked on doom 3 there was a guy there that was working on uh, the mass effect series so it was, was kind of cool for me to like kind of try to get feedback off these guys right so i put i put this uh trailer up there and um like uh, after a while i just got um i just got contacted by uh unknown worlds so they just saw this there or someone i think it was actually the music guy uh, they had saw this trailer and uh, they decided to, you know, they just offered me a job. It was a small job first. It was just to do like a trailer for them uh, to do the sound for that. So I did that. After I did that, uh, they offered me a job to just work on Natural Selection 2. So for me, I just kind of like, I kind of fell into it. I didn't really uh like because i felt like i wasn't good enough yet right like i was still like working on this thing and and like i was i was planning that like you know once i'm ready i'll start like sending it out to companies but like it just turned out that putting it out there was enough to get uh some interest and yeah so that's that's how that started damn yeah that's awesome i <laughs> i always say to myself i'm gonna do one of these trailer things one day and try and get into the sound design world but then I always inevitably end up just working on dubstep or something like that and then <laughs> getting sort of pigeonholed into that scene. One thing I was impressed with is like before the podcast, I, I, I always, or not always, but I was trying to do a little bit of research on just what you've been up to and whatnot. And I saw on your Spotify, um, like your streams are actually pretty high. They're like 170,000 monthly listeners, which is, I didn't expect. Uh, but I guess it makes sense because the Subnautica thing got like kind of a cult following or whatever yeah uh, yeah so I, I think it's actually it's mostly that stuff like i do put up my own stuff there i'm doing a little bit of like uh kind of cyberpunk kind of stuff so uh, yeah like that that gets some streams up there as well so that's nice like a little little side project thing mm. um do you register all of these subnautica tracks with uh apra no i didn't do that um like as far as i know i signed off all the rights to unknown world so i don't think i can actually do that yeah, yeah i think you can i think you always keep your publishing or um whatever that right is that a pro collects for you right like that i think it's like illegal for anyone else to own that so and so what i did is i did the same thing for the um for the mum and dad soundtrack which is like that uh movie that i scored and I noticed that after I registered all of those tunes on APRA, my royalty checks went from like, you know, 20 cents a month, <laughs> like some random, like really extremely small amount of money to like a huge chunk of change every month. It's like some months it was like 
over ten thousand dollars of just like royalties coming in because the the movie had got released in cinemas and it's like since simmered down but i was just like really fucking impressed with how like if, how much uh like performance royalties are out there once you start getting into the at least the film industry i don't know if it's the same for the right. game industry yeah like I, I i think film does that a lot i'm not too sure about the game industry but i, I think you're right i think I sh i'll actually do that i'll run all those tracks through through apra like i'm registered on there so i might just do that yeah, for those who don't know what APRA is, it's basically like a performance rights organization. And I guess the equivalent of that would be um, like ASCAP or BMI in America or SOCAN. I think it's called SOCAN in Canada. And essentially um, <clears throat> what these companies do is they just like search around for the hidden money <laughs> and uh, and give it to you. So I guess um, the idea is that uh, when a venue plays your music, I think, like, you know, like a somebody plays your music at a in a club or whatever i think clubs have to pay this umbrella license or whatever to um pros and then that money gets paid towards you somehow and i guess with film it's like maybe the same like the theaters have to pay like this umbrella distribution license to just like play music in there and then that gets divided up i don't exactly know how it works and uh, I, I know there's a big document online that explains it that i haven't read but um yeah, I was, I guess, yeah, I was curious about PROs in the game industry, but if you haven't done that, then you wouldn't know. Yeah, like I, I did, I did hear that the, like, because I think, I think originally it was like, uh, you, you basically, you signed up for your rights and you actually didn't get anything because it wasn't like, when someone's like playing a game, it's not, it's a little bit different than like a, a film being shown to an audience they that like legally it was classified a different way but i think i think actually something like that has changed recently i'll have to like uh look into that properly but i think it's um i think there is a way on on playstation to get some royalties from there or something like that like i i have to look into it properly but um right but it's not like when somebody say i download subnautica and play it every time one of your tracks plays in there you're not getting like a stream count and a royalty from that right? no like, no not, it doesn't work in... like that and and they wouldn't really be able to to tell right like i don't i don't think the game actually logs which track is playing and things like this so there would be actually no way to tell um yeah uh are you still working completely in reaper yeah pretty much like that's that's my that's my main thing it's um it's it's really good for sound design i think like the i used to use a lot of fruity before um i still use it a bit now but i usually just use it to send midi to my synths i think fruity handles midi really really well um and so yeah that's mainly what i use it for it's got these like nice uh it's like i'm called a midi out plugin and this is really nice so i can like set the midi channel i can send a specific midi signal to each individual synth and i can control them with like uh midi controllers through through that so that that's what i use fruity for but in general i'm using uh yeah just reaper okay and uh yeah i've heard a lot i know mick gordon also uses reaper and yeah agreed i think fruity probably has the nicest piano role out of any daw uh like you're able to just like instantly drawing chord stacks and you have these like slide notes and you have all this interesting shit that I've, I haven't really seen in Cubase or Ableton or Logic or anything like that. Uh, 
but yeah, why why Reaper for the rest of it, and why why do you think that's kind of like become the standard in the the sort of sound design industry, or yeah, at least I mean, becoming the standard? Yeah, like I think um, Reaper is just really good with audio, like just audio clips. So um, like I'm I'm not surprised that a lot of sound designers use it, right? It's um it's just really really fast at like you know editing uh, audio you can also make your own um like shortcut keys and things like this for us you can kind of customize it so like for example like the kind of work i do i do a lot of like uh, time stretching and and so i want to i want to be able to quickly switch uh like the pitch uh, like keeping the pitch constant or letting it just you know play back slower so like manipulating it that way uh, so I've got like shortcut keys for that and yeah I mean like I did try to do some sound design work in Fruity originally and it's just clunky like it's got these like audio clips that you can use in there but you know just like the cutting is not nice like you cut it and it um it leaves this uh these clicks because it, it doesn't do like proper zero crossings and things like this um Whereas like Reaper gives you these like nice little fades and things like this. So it's just, it's very fast to work with audio in that. Um, yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. Good. I think Ableton is really nice for working with audio too, but it's so bad with video. And I, I think that's where I always kind of get stuck with dealing with trying. Like I, I think if Ableton was really good at handling uh, video import, I probably would have made like a few sound design reels by now. But yeah, it's just as soon as you were, Put a video in Ableton, it just dies. It's so oh, bad. Oh, really? Yeah, no, oh, I, yeah, I haven't tried kind of. Ableton with with a video, but yeah, Reaper is quite good at that. Like, it takes a whole bunch of formats and <coughs> plays them back. Well, you can render a video. You can even do like um, basic video editing. Like, you can do some fades and cuts and things like this. So, mm. um, yeah, yeah, Reaper's got some crazy features. Like, uh, spectral peaks is a crazy one that I saw on the the reaper forum have you seen that oh, one yes i i haven't i haven't used that one spectral piece yeah. like uh, it's a it, uh, it colors your waveforms and you can say like i want the base to look more red and i want the mids to look more green and i and i want the highs to look more blue or whatever so it's kind of like a cdj in that way you know like if you've, if you've ever played a track back on a cdj and you see how like the the pioneer waveform looks it kind of gives you information on how much bass and how much highs are in things via the color of the waveform and yeah you can you can just straight up do that in reaper which is crazy because i mean like you could just be looking at a ton of channels and be like oh there's like a, you know a bunch of red shit over here then that that means there's a bunch of low frequencies and that might be what's causing this mix or sound problem that i have you know, or whatever Stuff like that. I wish Ableton had that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, no, yeah, that's cool. I have to, yeah, I have to look into that. Um, the other crazy thing like, about Reaper is it's like fifty bucks or something. <laughs> yeah, so cheap. yeah, no, that's another good thing. And actually, like the the demo of it is essentially free, and it's not. It has no limits, right? It just gives you like a five second pop up when it opens, and after that, you can just keep using it. So it's like for anyone that like wants to start out in sound design. Yeah, just get Reaper, just get the get the demo and just like practice in it because it's like, yeah. And then if you decide, yeah, you're going to get serious, you pay 50 bucks, right? <laughs> right. Know? And that way you don't have to wait the five seconds or whatever. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess um, what, in, if you have just the demo version of it, there's probably some like legality issue with like, if you haven't paid for it, you legally aren't allowed to like go selling stuff that you make in it or something probably. Yeah, they're, they're, I'm sure there's something, something like that. But like the good <coughs> thing is like they let you use it. Like a lot of doors, they'll kind of limit it. Like uh, Fruity will just like disable saves, I think. And, you know, a bunch of stuff like that in the in the demo. But um, yeah, no, Re Reaper's really good. It's got it's got this other thing which I haven't seen in other doors, which which are like extensions. So you can uh, you essentially you connect it to like these different repositories of like effects and scripts, and and you can download all of these to Reaper, and it they do things like you can get effects and instruments and stuff like this, right? But you can also get like extra functionality for the door. So like, for example, like I'm not so good at music theory. So I've got a little scale finder that I that I've got. So I just highlight notes uh, that I want to find out what scale they're in. And I, and I click this one thing and it, and it tells me like what possible scales these notes could fit in. Right. Um, and this is like this doesn't come with uh, Reaper, but it's like one of these extensions. Right. So that's really cool and there's there's tons of stuff in there and there's really good like developers working on uh, effects and stuff like that in there like one one thing i use from there is um uh, it's this thing called nos nostal nos oh, i got to pronounce it properly nostalgizer it's a it it makes whatever you run through it sound like it's being recorded in like a shitty tape like the the pitch kind of wobbles a bit and you know oh, right. just kind of yeah, nostalgizer makes it sound nostalgic i guess yeah yeah it's this kind of thing um so that's really good i use a bunch of like synthwave stuff i you know run that on the synth nice so, yeah there's a plugin that does that by a company called yum audio called uh low uh pitch dropout or lo-fi or something like that yeah there's a bunch of plugins now that do that like just or sort of intentionally make it sound like a shitty quality recording yeah yeah because <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, an aesthetic like, thing that people want now whatever right it, it actually sounds really nice it, it for a while um i was trying to make some synth and i couldn't quite figure out how these guys were actually doing that like i assumed they're actually they got these vintage synths and it's like nah like a lot of the time it's just a vst and they just run this stuff on it um, yeah mo yeah you can do most shit in the box these days convincingly which is cool um so you, you and I, we both started in Australia in the doof scene, I guess. Uh, and you've since moved to Thailand. I've since moved to the US. Uh, what what probed the, the Thailand move? Well, it's, um, it's a lot cheaper here. So I was living in, in Sydney. Like Sydney's real expensive. Um, and, and I remember like, uh, like the first time I visited Thailand, I was like in my kind of like early 20s I went there for some like kickboxing training right like I was, I was training a lot of kickboxing and I wanted to book like a like a pro fight or like a amateur fight but you know there's like an audience and a ring and stuff like this right wait so and you were gonna I'd, fight in it yeah I was gonna I was gonna fight right yeah um so I wanted to train up a bit before I did that so I I did like a training camp in in Phuket Thailand and like that was really good i stayed there for like six weeks and like w when i was there i was thinking like man it's like stuff here is so cheap and and i kind of like that's when like that idea came to me it's like man if i could just make like a little bit of money that's that i like from australia or like from a different country and i don't have to 
uh, stay in Australia, like I just moved here, right? So anyway, after that, um, uh, after that trip, like a few years later, um, like I got I got this job at Unknown Worlds, and then soon after, I just thought, no, fuck it, I'll just you know, I could I could do that plan, right? Like I could just move move to Thailand and just live there. But um, yeah, but I never actually ended up having that fight though. So like I I booked I booked the fight. I went to the weigh-in, uh, and I was like, I was super nervous, right? Because I was like, I, I haven't been in a fight since like uh, primary school, you know. Like, I beat the shit out of that kid, but you know that was a long time ago, right? So, uh, yeah. So I went there on the night, and just my opponent just didn't show up. So it was kind of like, you know, kind of, uh, yeah. yeah, it was anticlimactic, but yeah, but that's what happened there. But um, yeah, that's cool. Anyway, yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that you like trained fighting. Yeah, yeah, I've been training a lot of that stuff for a while. Like when I was a kid, I trained like taekwondo. I trained some like uh, yeah, kickboxing later, some uh, jujitsu as well. Yeah, like all that stuff. I was always into that stuff. Yeah. Cool. And you still train? Not anymore. Not anymore. It's a it's a young man's sport, right? <laughs> yeah, I um, suppose. Yeah, I do a bunch of like, uh, like I, I, I like to keep fit, but I don't, I don't train any of this like combat stuff. So, yeah, mm. it's yeah, also true. like it, it's, it's bad for your hearing. Like a couple of times, I got like punched in the head, and it makes your ears ring and stuff like this, and it, it can actually like properly damage your hearing. And I kind of, you know, I, especially like when they've got the glove, and the glove is like, you know, it's a little bit wet, and it kind of hits your ear, and it just like that pressure kind of pops your eardrum. Like that's really bad. Like you can make your ears like ring. It can really give you like proper ear damage. So like I got hit like that a couple of times, and I was like, man, I kind of, I kind of need my ears. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, getting yeah, slapped like, in the ear is yeah, no good. I think yeah, yeah a few other things that seem innocuous that can damage your hearing a lot as well is uh, like surfing, because it's like oh, really? actually, yeah, it's like actually incredibly like loud, and you're always getting your head slapped into the water and shit like that. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, heard, um, I've heard a jet skiing can give you a concussion and you don't even notice, right? Because it's pretty bumpy on a jet ski. And then, yeah, apparently this gives people concussions. They they don't even realize it, but then, you know, they get brain damage from it. So it turns out like, you know, the human body is actually like a lot more fragile than people used to think. Like um a lot of the a lot of these sports like obviously like boxers get a bunch of brain damage but like you know like football players and yeah even sports like you wouldn't think are particularly like uh violent like soccer right like those guys from like from uh you know when they headbutt the ball right from that like you can just get brain damage from that as well it's uh yeah you gotta 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 look after yourself a bit you know yeah, what was that guy? I'm just Googling him now. Oh, yeah, Aaron Hernandez. Um, he was like a football player. There's a, a documentary about him on uh, Netflix. Uh, and he just like progressively started getting more and more violent and uh, doing like just more and more outrageous shit. Uh, and then he died when he was 27. And they... Um, can't remember how he died if he killed himself or if he died from the cte which is like the brain damage i can't remember what cte stands for it uh but you know let me see chronic traumatic encephal encephalopathy 
uh, yeah, chronic traumatic encephalop encephalopathy. It's a weird word. But yeah, it's a, a neurodegenerative disease linked to repeated blows to the head uh, and the encephalopathy. Jeez, I can barely say that word. The encephalopathy symptoms can include behavioral problems, mood problems, and problems with thinking. And the disease often gets worse over time and can result in dementia. But yeah, they've found that like people in the NFL, uh, like pretty much 50% of them have it already. And if you don't, then you get, you're definitely going to get it basically. It's like fucking crazy. So they're starting um, to have conversations about like what they can do to mitigate this. And in certain cases, there's been people like Aaron Hernandez who started like doing weird crazy shit like being extremely violent and like buying guns and like going and starting fights just with random people on the street and like just all this really crazy shit yeah it's it's crazy that like it's it's those kind of symptoms like i always imagine like brain damage is the kind of thing that like you just get a little bit dumber you know like you just they, they punch you too many times like you can't do maths now or something but it's like it, it doesn't actually work like that it's like people get like parkinson's disease from uh, from this stuff uh, like Ma that happened to Muhammad Ali right um, mm. yeah he got yeah, yeah that's correct yeah so now nah, you gotta it's not it's not the healthiest sport like it's it's a lot of fun right but it's um yeah like especially to do it like at a more serious level we're actually like sort of competing in that stuff it's uh yeah it's not it's not so good yeah definitely but yeah it's good to stay fit especially if you're in the studio all the time it's very easy i think to <laughs> to just sit at the computer for 12 oh, hours yeah. a day and get a hunch back and uh oh yeah no i i know all about that like i had um uh i ended up getting like a slip disc uh in my back and it was from like essentially just sitting around too much right and you know because I, I would go from through periods where like i'd be doing a bunch of training and then i'd get lazy and i wouldn't do it and i just yeah got hunched back and then yeah this like problem like up like upper back like up here and yeah and it's it, it like it took me so long to kind of fix that like when i first got it it was so painful like i had trouble like getting out of bed and it was just bad right i was going to all these doctors getting x-rays and stuff like this and yeah and it's um once you get it it's it's really hard to fix it so yeah since then like i i ended up like just you know starting doing some like physio and things like this to fix it up but um yeah it's it's really not pleasant it's um if you if you haven't had any kind of like uh, back injury and you and you do sit in front of the computer a lot yeah just make sure you're doing a lot of training you don't want to you don't want to have to like learn it the hard way where you get like proper back problems and then then you're kind of fucked right you can't move um but yeah so now yeah like i do a lot of training now like i just like calisthenics and stuff like this to sort of make sure i don't get like you know yeah it's like if, basically if i stop if i stop training for a couple of weeks like i've got kind of like a permanent injury there now and it, it just sort of comes back it starts hurting it's like someone's kind of stabbing a knife into that vertebrae you just kind of feel like this sharp pain so it's like for me it's like i'm you know i'm training a lot just because if i stop i just it really hurts right so right and the kind of training you're doing calisthenics is just sort of like push-ups sit-ups pull-ups that kind of thing yeah just yeah just the really basic stuff right um and like the good thing about that is like you can be locked in like you know it can be a lockdown and everything and you can still train that stuff so um 
yeah, like be, before the lockdown, I used to go to the gym and do that stuff. But now I just like go up onto the roof and, and like at the condo here and just train up there. Um, yeah, like push ups, pull ups. I do like some like handstand push ups, squats, stuff like this. Yeah, just all that stuff. Damn, These handstand really push ups are fucking hardcore, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they they take a bit of bit of practice. But um, do you do that against yeah. a wall or do you do that like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's against the wall. I can't. I can't do it. F- freestanding yeah Dude, those like, people who can do that shit freestanding are freaks man it's yeah, crazy yeah no that's how, hard you have to be so strong yeah no that's that's really hard that stuff um that's just like god tier core strength basically right <laughs> it's more that stuff those are more like your like lats and shoulders for the handstand push-up a little bit of tricep um yeah but like the, the thing what i like about calisthenics is that um you're not loading your you like uh, yourself with like a whole bunch of like external weight. You're just using your own weight, uh, so your body is actually really well evolved to kind of move your own body around. So it's like it's much harder to get injured doing that stuff. Um, I mean, I suppose you could like you know, if you try and do a handstand and you fall, you could hurt yourself that way. But it's like just doing the movement correctly, you're not really going to get hurt. But it's like you know if you if you try and do like bench press stuff and you overload that, it's like, it's pretty easy to hurt yourself there. Like, yeah, you can easily like fall on you. Right. Or throw out a shoulder. If you like have too much weight on the bar or something. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like people like tear biceps and uh, tear their pecs as well and stuff there. So, you know, uh, the calisthenics seems to be like, you know, it's much better for like longevity and, you know, general fitness, I think. Yeah. Yeah, do you do much training? So the only training I've been doing pretty much over the last like you know, six to eight months has pretty much just been mountain biking and uh, rock climbing. I, yeah, I, I kind of uh, – I do a little bit of like weights at home and I do a little bit of like, you know, I'll go for a walk once in a while and stuff like that. Um, but I don't like necessarily – uh, think about my training reg- regiments like that hard. I kind of just enjoy rock climbing and mountain biking. So I, I sort of just accidentally end up training a couple of times a week just because I want to do them anyway. Uh, but, but I find that's like the, the cardio from mountain biking is enough to keep my cardio good. And the sort of muscle work from rock climbing is enough to sort of, you know, get my body moving just enough that I don't you know, get too many injuries from sitting too much. Plus my desk goes up and down. So like here, I'll show you actually. Yeah, I can like raise my entire setup. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah, no, that's cool. I was look. yeah, I was looking at getting one one like that as well, but it's um I was worried that all the cables would just pull my synths down when I when it goes. Yeah, up. so you have to be careful about that. And the way that I solve that is um i put this like big server rack that like runs underneath the whole back of my desk and it's like a a big like like a server loom you know it's like kind of a square little box that just runs under the desk and i got like a power strip that that i bolted to the bottom of the desk and then everything is just like uh all the cables are just running through that loom and all the power is just like all attached to the desk so there's just like one power cable that goes to the desk and that's it and then everything else is attached yeah, no, that's a good idea. Like, um, like I, I had I had a whole bunch of trouble with like the electricity in in my setup here. Like, cause like I don't know anything about electricity. I don't know how to hook things up, and 
um, the the electricity that comes into the condos in Thailand is not it's not so reliable. It's you know it drops out. Um, there's no standardized wall sockets here, so they're using like the American ones and the European ones. Sometimes they're using both. Yeah, sometimes they're using like both in one house. Um, so I got so I had to buy like all these like adapters. A lot of my synths have like the Australian plugs, um, but they'll they'll make these like adapters here which take take a three pin uh, plug in. So like it's got a ground right, but on the on the other side it's only got two pins so what it does is like it ungrounds your equipment that wants to be grounded so like a bunch of times i'm getting like shocks off of, off of my synthesizers just off the off the body of the synth i was getting shocks off the um audio cables and stuff like this and then you know and then like some equipment ended up frying as well so it was like it was you know uh, yeah what i ended up doing is like i ended up buying this um like a power, the firm and uh, power conditioner or something like that. Yeah, this kind of thing. Yeah, like a power power uh, conditioner. I don't know. I'm looking at it now. It's like a Audio Wally. Audio Wally. It's like a like a Chinese brand. But um, mm -hmm. yeah. But this thing I think is a little bit better. So I ended up plugging everything into this, and then this is the only thing that actually plugs into the wall, right? So, yeah, I, I think that that's kind of how it. Like, uh, yeah. yeah, that's how I did it too. I like just mounted a firm and power conditioner to the bottom of the desk um, along with my RME and then yeah, everything is just attached and did yeah it's a cool any, setup. Did, did you notice any like less noise once you use that um, power conditioner? Not really. Uh, I've, I've found my noise situation has always been pretty under control. Uh, I think American power is like pretty stable. I mean, yeah I haven't, haven't seen any issues. What? But one thing is, I think, um, and this might just be like complete bullshit or just like something I'm imagining, but like whenever I'm in Australia or England, I find uh, stuff sounds cleaner. And I don't know why. I don't know if it's like a power thing or something, but like, and I might just, it might just be a whole different fucking, like an air pressure thing or a temperature thing. Or, I have no idea, but like, I, t I talked to culprit about this and he was like, yeah, you're probably just imagining shit. <laughs> um, but for, for whatever reason, I just kind of like go back there and listen to stuff. And I'm like, I swear to God, like there's something going on with the power here. Cleaner. Yeah, it could be it. Like I, I, it could also be like, um, each individual house, like the wiring in that house could make a big difference as well. Like maybe, maybe what else is like connected, uh, to you know your fridge and your AC and stuff like this that might be making a difference. Like I don't, I don't know. Like like I said, I don't, I don't know. I don't know much about this kind of stuff. I just plugged in things randomly until I got like electrocuted a couple of times, and then I was like, not nah. <laughs> like sort of should do it properly. So yeah, totally. Um, going back to like injuries and stuff, what's the healthcare situation like in Thailand? Oh, it's it's actually pretty good. Like um, I I was. Uh, like initially I was a little bit surprised like I thought you know oh you know it, it's not the richest country maybe it's going to be a bit shit but it's not it's actually really good you can get like really good healthcare and it's it's cheap as well and like like it's it's actually so good that you get like medical tourists coming here like the like a lot of the time from America like someone needs an operation it's like it's way too expensive in America, and it turns out it's actually cheaper to fly to Thailand, do a holiday, get your operation, hang out at the beach for a bit, right? So yeah, yeah, no, I've it's actually of, very good. 
Yeah, exactly. I've heard of people doing that for their teeth in Mexico. They're like, I could spend the same amount of money and do a fucking holiday to Mexico, like Cancun or something, get all of my wisdom teeth out and, you know, get whatever fillings and shit I need done and then, yeah, just hang out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's, um, and it's actually pretty cheap to get stuff done here as well. Like a lot of Thai people don't even, don't even get insurance because like one, you know, if you need to go to the hospital for whatever, it's like, well, you know, maybe you got a bit of savings and then you just... You just go, right? It's because it's not so bad. Yeah, I mean, in America, it's, you know, they won't turn you away. They'll still operate on you or do whatever they need to do. You just go into debt here. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, you got to, yeah, you got to pay it eventually. Like, I mean, the, the thing in Thailand is like a lot of the time you don't even need to go see a GP uh, because like a lot of stuff you just get at the pharmacy without a prescription like i can i can go and get antibiotics here if i want just at the pharmacy um so like you know in most countries like you need a you need a prescription for that but here you just go right so you end up like not going to the to the doctor really unless it's something actually serious right so like you know someone gets the flu here they don't they don't bother going to the doctor right right they just go buy antibiotics and yeah, you just get antibiotics. You can get whatever you want, a muscle relaxer, whatever. <laughs> like, you know. Damn. That's crazy that they just like so freely sell that stuff at the pharmacy. I yeah, guess like that, they, they haven't maybe had the same problems that say a country like America has had with ephedra and meth or something, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, they, okay, so like that kind of stuff, like sort of more recreational stuff, like that, that's a bit harder to get, right? Like that, but just like most medicines that, you know, that people aren't going to be taking for fun, um, yeah, a lot of those you can just get, you know. Uh, right, even like benzos, like Valium and Hydrocodone and stuff like that? Those, okay, so benzos, not at the pharmacy, but they got dudes that have stalls on the side of the street and they, they got them. So that's a little that's bit like less, less crazy. legal. Yeah, that's right, a little bit like... It's crazy yeah, that they don't get, get shut down. It's crazy that they oh, have they, st stalls like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a lot of the time it's in these tourist areas. So he's selling like, you know, kind of funky socks and like, uh, you know, like souvenirs and stuff like this. And then if you ask him, he's got some Valium at the back. And he will bring you that stuff, you know. That's crazy. You know, Viagra, like all this, whatever. Like, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. They sell that stuff. Like apparently, apparently if you know... Uh, the right pharmacist you get like people are getting like steroids and stuff here as well like anabolic steroids uh, yeah like actually like a, a mate of mine here he, he did that he you know he got on he got on some steroids you know he's trying to bulk up and man I, I like I noticed a big change in his personality he's like he's an older guy he's a little bit older than me um, and you know he starts taking this stuff and then a couple of weeks later he he calls me up and he's like hey bro do you want to do you want to do some uh, kickboxing come over come over and like all right we'll, we'll do a little bit of training and it's like he's really like he wants to fight right and then so we start doing some like light sparring and then this guy starts going like really hard he's like getting really like you know i had to tell him like, like dude like need to chill out a bit right but it's like yeah he got like super super aggressive and competitive and like normally he's not like that so damn yeah like yeah it was um pretty yeah cool. i got a a friend that's gone through two courses of anabolic steroids um and i was like don't they make your balls real small and his response to me was like 
in the most Australian accent ever. He was like, yeah, but they're fucking sick when they're small. They're all out of the way and shit. <laughs> I was like, dude, that's the fucking funniest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, um, I, don't, I don't know yeah. if that's uh, it's worth those side effects, like tiny balls, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think it go, they go back to normal when you stop taking them. I don't know why that's a side effect of steroids. It's weird, but yeah, I think I think it actually shuts down your like because uh, your, your 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 balls make the testosterone, right? And if your body's got too much of it, they kind of they got nothing to do, and they just kind of ah, that actually shrink. makes sense. Yeah, they're yeah. like, all right, we better fucking hold back on this. It's too much. Yeah, yeah, hmm. yeah. That does make sense, actually. Uh, have you learned to speak Thai yet? I like a little bit like I I can speak and understand enough to do like kind of day-to-day stuff um but kind of not enough to have friends who don't speak any English right so like you know I have Thai friends and then they'll break into Thai and like I'll I'll follow along but eventually I just I lose track of the conversation because like it's yeah I just haven't haven't learned enough like I picked up like enough to get by but not it's not not so good right mm. it's not not fluent or how, anything like that. how long have you been there like f- 10 years or something not quite 10 like uh i think it's about eight eight years yeah. Mm. yeah nice yeah i was in spain for like three months and by the end of that period of time i'd picked up a little bit but i guess um spanish is a lot closer to english than thai probably yeah yeah no no thai is a it's a weird language it's, it's actually like a it's a tone-based language, so ah oh, right, yeah. So probably a lot for, of people there have like perfect pitch and stuff, right? Um, I I don't know, I don't know. Like they they definitely can detect uh these these small kind of changes in in pitch tone, which like we wouldn't detect. So like I'll, I'll give you an, I'll give you an example. Like they have okay, a word the word ma. Right. Oh, yeah. That it means mean like, like horse or mother, right? Exactly. Yeah. It it actually like yeah. If you change the tone, it actually means uh, it means horse. It actually does mean horse, and the, or it can mean come here. If you change the tone again, it can mean dog. So it's you know it's it's yeah like and I think like uh, Mandarin I think is like that as well. Like but um, yeah, but like no European languages like this. So yeah, that's that's a little bit hard to pick up initially. Right, and the tone changes are more pitch related, right? So it would be like ma or ma or ma. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like exactly. they go up yeah, in no. pitch or down in pitch or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's super strange. I wonder if that's like got a lot of influence on their music and why a lot of Eastern music is kind of uh, microtonal. Like, to us, right, like yeah, microtonal like... music sounds all like broken and shit because we're not <laughs> like we're used to this, you know. Uh, Western twelve tone stuff, but I guess because they have these tonal languages where pitch uh, is inherently driven in as such an important factor to listen for from a, like day one, that it maybe you know sounds a little bit more um, uh, less challenging for them maybe. Yeah, yeah. And I always wonder how something like um, like auto tune would mess with a Thai <laughs> person, right? Because he's he's trying to sing like "Come Here" and it auto tunes it. Now he's calling someone a dog, right? You know, because ah. it would just change that pitch, right? Because you know, because the, the word, the word like changes its meaning if the pitch kind of rises like that, right? But right, auto tune is right, going right. to flatten that out, right? So, yeah, it must kind of mess with them, hmm. right? Yeah, like Thai pop music or something. If you like go to auto tune that, I never really thought of that. But that's 
Yeah, that's yeah, funny. Right? Um, so one thing I want to talk about, which uh, <clears throat> when I was doing some Googling of your name before this, just to like, again, like I said, to see what you've been up to. And one thing that kept coming up like more than anything was your firing from unknown worlds for some tweets. Uh, is that something you want to go over or is it something you prefer? Yeah, we, we can, if you don't mind, like it, it could get political. I don't know you want to get canceled. Uh, well, I've already got canceled uh, a few oh. weeks ago for also okay. trans stuff, um, but I got uncanceled yeah, so. because I put out a letter. Uh, pretty much what I did was I said, um, and uh, I said, <clears throat> um, oh, what did I say? It was uh, that trans women shouldn't be able to compete in women's weightlifting or something like that, or women's sports, which seems like it—it—it uh, uh, it, it seems like if you don't know anything about the situation, like that's the obvious stance to have. But then I did a bunch of like a bunch of people were like, "Dude, you're fucking way off on this one. You're wrong." Um, and then I went and educated myself about it and put a big apology out, and people, for the most part, accept, accept accepted my apology. Um, which I'm glad they did. And I've changed my opinions now to realize that if you're a trans woman, uh, it depends on how long you've been on uh, hormone replacement therapy as to whether or not you should be allowed to compete in women's sports. And it, it turns out that that point in time is around two years, I think, of taking hormone replacements, uh, two to three years. And then it seems like you're pretty much on the same level of uh, testosterone and estrogen as a biological woman. You're right. Yeah, I didn't know that. Um, Me either. I mean, there and, was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was I'm recently a case. Um, it's an MMA fighter. It was just in the news recently. And, yeah, Fox. Yeah. Uh, what, what's her name? Fox Fallon. Yeah. Is it? I think I think this was a different fighter. This was a, a new one. But yeah, there is there is Phelan Fox as well. Um, yeah, like I I don't know how. Like I mean, to me it it seems like it's an unfair advantage. Like uh, I know there's like uh, men have like more bone density, and you know it it seems unfair. But like at the same time, like I'm I'm actually not completely against it. Just as a thing, like I I don't think it's particularly fair, but I, I actually think it um it makes a lot of women's sport like really interesting to watch. Right. Because it's like, well, now you have this, it's like this extra element comes in there and it's like, well, you know, because I don't know about you, but I, like, I've, you know, because the sports have always been segregated, I kind of always thought like, well, how would like men actually do against women? Right. And this is, you know, it kind of uh, shows a bit of that. And it turns out that like, you know, it's yeah, like men have an advantage, but not always. Right. So it's, it's not like it's not like these trans athletes are going to like always win. You know, so it's. Uh, oh, yeah. There's a yeah. bunch of interviews I listened to after I got cancelled where there's been instances of trans women in British rugby who have had their fucking spines like absolutely broken and like had discs slipped out and shit by biological women who have just hammered them in a tackle. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that that can happen for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, and I think. Um, and it depends I, on I, which sport as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so that, yeah, the, the, <laughs> what I came to, I mean, after learning that I was wrong and putting out the apology and, and learning all this stuff about the issue, um, I thought about it some more and I was like, you know what I actually would like to see in the Olympics is, uh, an Olympics where there's like no limits. You can take as much of any drug as you want. Like then that would be fucking, 
that'd be fucking interesting. Like if you could do as much testosterone as you want, as much steroids as you want, as much anything as you want, and then do the Olympics, like I think that would be way more fun to watch personally. Yeah, no, I, I actually, I totally agree. It's it For me, it's actually really weird that they, that they ban this stuff because it's like testosterone in itself is not so dangerous, especially for men, right? It's like you, you take it and it's like it, your body's totally used to having this thing kind of circulating around and uh and you know and, and a bunch of dudes like just you go to the gym and a bunch of dudes are on this stuff right but it, then it's like a professional athlete can't take it it's i don't know that always seemed weird for me it's like yeah i i think just yeah just let them have it and just like let's see what the human body is capable of at it's like maximum peak and it's all you just juiced out of his brain and you know yeah i'd, I'd love to watch that yeah i mean you'd probably get like probably a few more injuries and a few more people dying of heart attacks and stuff like that for sure. So there'd be some danger incurred there, I think. But I mean, I think at that point it's on, you know, it's on the person who's deciding to take the drugs, right? It's like if it's a marathon race, uh, you know, you might want to take something to, uh, you, you might not want to go so hard on the steroids or something because, you know, that might like fuck you up in some ways or whatever. Uh, but yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, I, I, I was reading about <laughs> the tweet that got you fired and it looks like it was from like 2016 and uh, your boss at the time, uh, I guess he's, I'm going to call him Cleveland, but I think he has a first name, right? Yeah, Charlie. Yeah, Charlie. Charlie. So his name's yeah. Charlie Cleveland. Mm. So he put a poll up on Twitter and the poll said something like, would you prefer if we worked on um, adding the ability to play as a woman in, in our games or would you prefer that we spent our time working more on the core like uh, engine of the game so the engine so the game runs better you put a poll up and by landslide work on the core of the game so the game works better one um, <clears throat> and then you responded like as a joke oh, I think we need a diversity slider which would make the character progressively darker and more feminine and less sexy. And that was yeah. what got you canceled basically, right? Yeah. Which, yeah. And then, I mean... And the, the crazy was... thing to me though, is that like this shit happened in 2016 and then you proceeded to work there for another two years and it was only two years later, right, that people started complaining about it, that this Charlie Cleveland guy who originally yeah. put up the poll, who definitely saw the response to the tweet because yes. it was his poll, yes. then yeah. decided to fire you after two years. Yeah, no, of course. It was like, you know, it was, there was never any problems while I was working there, right? It was just, it was, you know, he got, he, they essentially got scared because they had this like mob uh, sort of, you know, all texting them at once. Like, hey, like this guy's so bad, you got to fire him, you know, all this sort of stuff. And they like, they kind of, they make it look like a, it's like a customer revolt, right? So this scares most companies. They're like, oh, shit. You know, this is, our customers are pissed off, right? This is like that's scary for a company, right? But the thing is, like, you know, from from the get go, like, I kind of knew that this wasn't like it wasn't like a genuine uh, offense that had been caused, like, because I mean, you think about it, like, how how would someone find this old tweet, right? You you got to go looking for it, right? It's not like someone's just you know they they're so into the game that they're just like scanning years back to find something, you know, like just because they're interested, right? It's like they're, they're doing it because they want to find something that they can kind of mess you up for, you know? Because, I mean, you think about it, like, if you're, if you're the kind of person who, 
uh, if you know this about yourself, that you, you're very easily offended by, by something that someone wrote, like, why would you go look for it? You know, it's like, yeah. that makes no sense. That's like, that's like going to the park and trying to find a dog shit to step in. You know, it's like deliberately stepping in a dog shit and then getting angry that like now there's a bad smell. You know, it's like, it makes no sense, right? So like I kind of, from the get-go, I kind of knew that this was like, it's, it's, these people aren't really pissed pissed off like they're not they're not they really... just like the smell of dog shit yeah it's like, <laughs> yeah it's like it, like the whole thing seemed like a bit like contrived because it, and it's you know and it's contrived to like you know cause trouble like this to get someone fired and then you know uh, it's it, it, it's almost like a power thing right it's like oh here's us and we can we can get whoever we want fired you know it's it's like this kind of thing um yeah, I read a Reddit thread about this and some guy in this Reddit thread was like, so, I, you know, seems like uh, some people have been talking about this Simon Chalinski dude and how he's like made this tweet. Uh, and then, you know, there's a few people that were like, no, he's a good dude. And then this this uh, fellow on Reddit or person on Reddit was like, well, look what I found. And it looks like they went through your likes, like things that you had liked on Twitter, not even things that you'd posted yourself. Like, and a like does not necessarily mean an endorsement. I mean, you can accidentally like something, right? Um, and you had 10,700 likes at the time. And, and he'd looked through all of them, it seemed, and found four that were problematic in the mildest ways possible. Um, like, they were basically just like innocuous memes, uh, pretty much. And he was trying to like make this point that you're this racist transphobe off that. Yeah, no, it's like, it, and th this stuff's actually like really common. It actually happened to me like, uh, like a month or two ago. Um, so I got commissioned to do some sounds for this uh, mod team. They were actually like doing a mod on Subnautica. Oh yeah, right? was that um, the YouTuber, right? And Thom yeah, and Thom Thom yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's probably the same case. Yeah, so it was this guy. He was like, you know, he was saying all this stuff that like based on, based on like, a like of a comic he's like now he's inventing all this stuff now he's like well this guy obviously like he's he, he's got to be a nazi he like he hates me and i can't work with him because obviously this guy wants me dead and stuff like that like saying this right it's like i've never met this guy we've never interacted and then this guy's saying all this stuff like that that i want him dead it's like dude like i, I literally didn't know you existed until until this you know um but anyway, like later on, um, this guy uh, Antomnia ended up doing a video kind of uh, just, you know, just exposing this guy, like just showing like, you know, wh like what is he doing, right? Um, anyway, the mod team ended up like kicking him off the team and then, yeah, you know, made, made the sounds for them. But it's like, for me, it seems, it seems so weird that someone would act like that, right? Like it's, okay, you're, you're part of a mod team. So obviously, like you, you want to get into game dev. Right. And here you have like uh, like a pretty big time YouTuber helping you out, funding your mod. And like this YouTuber actually like commissioned me. Right. So he's paying me to make sounds for them. And then now this guy's turning around and being like, nah, I'm not going to do it. Like, I'm not going to, you know. And so like initially I thought like, OK, that's, that's like super unprofessional. It's like if you want to if you really if you want to like work on a team, you've got to, you know, not everyone's going to agree with everything, you know, not everyone's going to like the same comics you like, right? You've got to, you know, just work with people, right? Um, so I assumed that this guy, I assumed it's a kid, right? 
but I knew that he was looking through my Twitter, so I wanted to find who he was to block him, right? So I, I got his name from Discord, I pasted in Twitter, turns out, yeah, he's using the same name. I found him and it's like, it's this middle-aged guy, like old guy. It's like, dude, you should know better. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I thought it was maybe a kid, but it's not. It's like a, it's an old, old balding guy. I'm like, fuck man, what's wrong with these people? Anyway, so I, just, I, I blocked him and then that's the end of it. But it's like, yeah, this stuff, um, it's kind of crazy. There, there's a lot of drama that happens in, in games. You wouldn't, you wouldn't think, but it's like, um, well, yeah, I think a lot of this stuff. partially the reason why is just because like a lot of people in the gaming industry are just spending so much time in a room by themselves sitting on either the game or Twitter and they get stuck in this like world of looking at Twitter, which is essentially a form of media, right? And their whole feed, if they, you know, uh, start to get radicalized by uh, an echo chamber of people that are just espousing the same ideas as them becomes just all but exactly that it just becomes a whole feed of like how they should think and what they should do and if something is like slightly not uh, in agreement with any of that that they this is the reaction that they should have uh and i think yeah they kind of just have their scripts on lock uh which you know <laughs> are often yeah i don't know it's a, it, in my opinion what it felt like when when i got uh kind of semi-canceled it felt like a form of like cyber bullying to be honest oh yeah it didn't it didn't yeah, feel absolutely. like people were trying to actually make progress and trying to get justice it felt like yeah. people were just bullying me because that's what they were supposed that's what they felt like they were supposed to do yeah no absolutely it's, it's absolutely they're like they're ganging up and they're bullying someone it's like it reminds me so much of just like bullies in high school and like the way the way I would always deal with bullies in high school is like I would make their life really difficult. Like even even if I get like beat up for it, like I would still make sure like I, I'd still get one or two punches in or or, you know, or I just like the thing. The thing with me, it's like I could always run pretty fast. So like this guy, he was older than me, he used to bully me in, in high school. So all I used to do is like from across the across the field, I used to call that like call out to him and say, hey, I fucked your mom. And then I'd run away. And I kept doing that. And everyone saw it. Everyone saw it. And this guy was so fucking embarrassed because he's this kid saying that he fucked, you, fucked his mom. And he can't get he can't get me because I run faster than him. Right. <laughs> so after that, like he like he he never bullied me and no one else bullied me because they're like, fuck, I don't want to get embarrassed like that. Right. Even though, like I was I was pretty skinny as a kid, so I couldn't fight these guys, but I could run, you know, and it, it just like that's what you got to do to bullies. You just make their life a little bit harder and then, you know, and then they leave you alone. So like that's when I was getting canceled, like from Subnautica, that's what I started doing. It's like these guys were saying, oh, oh, he made like a helicopter meme. It's so transphobic. So I just started like posting like helicopter emojis to these guys. Right. Like that's that's how I would do it. I just make their life a bit harder. But it's, you know. I don't know. I guess the uh, I guess the company didn't see it like that, right? They just, you know, the bully told them to fire the, you know, the sound guy, so they did it, right? It's like right. I mean, yeah. what I think that was on their part was just protecting their investment, right? Which is their company. I I don't think that uh, Charlie Cleveland necessarily um, agrees with these people because he let you work there for two years after the initial tweet was made. He just didn't want his company to get, you know, fucked over by Twitter. Yeah, absolutely. Which and and I think it's um, I think actually like it what he did actually really backfired on them because what was happening was like all this stuff was on Twitter, right? Um, 
but the Steam reviews were not mentioning this stuff at all. The Steam reviews were normal. So like this, already I know that these aren't really the customers, right? These are just like Twitter activists, right? But as soon as he fired me, then then it went on to the Steam uh, Steam reviews. They got like so many negative reviews, like all in a row, like hundreds of negative reviews all in a row, right? So that like so that action actually pissed off the like the actual players of the game, right? Right, because um, then they're like, oh no, like the sound is gonna change in the following games, or like the updates right. are gonna be different, and yeah, right. Because I mean, they're all they're fans of the game. Like a lot of people were enjoying the music and everything there, and it's like, yeah, and that kind of it sort of pissed them off, right? So, like, I mean, that's like what I think. Like with these kind of online mobs, like the best thing is just like. You just ignore them. You just don't acknowledge what they're what they're saying, and they eventually just get bored. It's like two weeks, three weeks later, and then you know, if it's too difficult, they'll just move on to someone else, just like every other bully, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's essentially yeah. Uh, anyway, moving on. Uh, I noticed also when I was googling around that you um had been nominated for a golden joystick award and i don't even know what that is uh do you want to explain it <laughs> uh yeah it's a um like to be honest like i don't i don't know that much about these like award shows but i, I think it's like it, i think it's a pretty prestigious uh award it's like the golden globes but for games right um so yeah so subnautica got uh nominated for that uh and it was it was actually like that was I was pretty proud of that because that was like okay um the other games that got nominated in that category were these big like AAA studios with like uh you know like whole teams for audio right um and then there's like me on my laptop just making all the all the music for this thing you like most of the time you're just using the laptop speakers right so I was like I was like yeah that's you know I thought that was pretty cool right um but yeah so yeah, so that was that was nice. Like I, I think I think the thing with with that stuff though is like, you know, like Subnautica was was a really good uh, platform to make good sound uh, for a game because you you can't actually achieve that in every single game just because uh, just some some games are just like better for sound, right? Uh, so like Subnautica is like you you're swimming there. Uh, by yourself usually so there's just a bit of ambience and there's occasional like creatures and stuff like this so it's not very dense so it's easier to mix everything's clearer and then um, it was also like a very sort of uh, like a slower paced game like calming so like the music is just these like drones and stuff like this in there uh, I don't know it's just it's very easy to make something evocative when you have just a few elements like that Whereas, mm-hmm. like you know, if you if you try to do something like that with I don't know, like a like a shooter or something like this, where it's like chaotic and there's sounds everywhere, like that, that's much harder to make that thing sound really good, right? Just because there's so many elements and it's just it's a challenge just to get any sort of clarity in in a game like that, right? Um, yeah, I could also imagine that with a game like a shooter, uh, you know. You, a gun sound is a gun sound, right? Like you just got to make gun sounds or whatever. Whereas like with Subnautica, you're underwater a lot of the time. And mm. what does underwater sound like? It's right. No, nothing. Yeah. If you go underwater, there's nothing there. So it's kind of, you get space to explore. Like what would that possibly sound like as well? Yeah, exactly. It's, um, it's, it's actually really weird. So, um, I'd, I'd never been scuba diving 
when I started Subnautica, right? But um, but I decided that like I should give it a try. Like I, I was never really interested in in that, but like I thought I'd, I'd give it a try just to kind of uh, see what it's actually like to to scuba dive, right? So I did it, and it um, it's really weird, like what underwater actually sounds like. It doesn't sound like what you would expect. It's not this like kind of muffled low hum. It's not that, right? Like you would expect that's what it is, but it's not. It's this like you hear these like crackling kind of sounds like it's a uh, uh, almost like popcorn it's like it's like this kind of stuff right and it's constant and like i for a long time i didn't know what it was i asked the the scuba uh, instructor like what it was and he says it's actually like fish kind of like nibbling on coral and when they snap it off it makes this like clicking sound so it's actually like it has this weird kind of sound that you wouldn't expect underwater um Another thing I noticed, because I, I had to do some underwater recording uh, as well. So like the, for example, like the the player character, when he gets injured underwater, that's that's me like screaming under like under the water, right? So I've got like an underwater microphone and I'm in there and there was a bunch of other sounds that I had to record underwater as well. And, um, and did like you do that sound? at home in your bathtub or did you do that like in a lake no, or pool? In a pool. Yeah, in a pool. Like in the, okay. the condo has a pool. So I, I did it nice. in there. Um, yeah, but the, the weird thing about like recordings underwater, it's like sound actually travels faster underwater. It's a, it's a denser medium. The molecules are closer together. So they push against each other faster, right? Just because they're closer. Um, so what that does is it... it the echoes change so like the the sense of space and the reverb changes so it actually sounds like a lot smaller so the space because you know because everything's hitting the walls and coming back at you faster and you perceive that as like a smaller space uh so it's really weird it's like things things sound tiny uh underwater which is again it's it's not what you would expect it's like that's not how i designed the sounds for subnautica either i i wanted to give them this like a kind of epic feel where it's like this vast open thing so like it had these like long uh long reverbs and stuff like this on it but uh yeah it turns out that's actually it's it's, it's actually the complete opposite of that it's like things sound small and not epic underwater you know mm. yeah interesting all right well my final question i guess is uh just what are you working on at the moment and yeah, yeah. so i'm on i'm on like uh three uh, three projects right now like one is called IMC it's like a it's a top-down RTS uh, kind of sci-fi game and but it but it's got this twist where you're like you're playing cards so it's like a collectible card game and you, you're throwing it down and then the units are reacting to these cards it's, it's an interesting concept I'm actually like I'm expecting that one to do uh, pretty well uh, it's got this like unique kind of gameplay. I haven't I haven't seen that in any any other game. So qu quite excited to uh, for people to like play that one. Another thing I'm on is a, it's a dragon game. Uh, it's called Day of Dragons. Uh, so this is you know it's like a multiplayer dragon game. So that one that one's really fun. I'm just like designing all these like creature uh, sounds for that. That's really good. Um, and uh, then another one, there's, this one is like, it's pretty early in development. There's not much uh, public information about it, but it's like, a, it's like a horror game. It's like a survival horror. It's got some zombies. It's got some shooting. It's, uh, is, it's this called, really cool. I, is it called Die Young? Is that that one? Uh, this one, it's the same company that made Die Young. 
Uh, it's kind of it's set in the same universe, but it's not it's not it's not going to be called Da Yang. It's it's something else. It's like a different story, but in the same same kind of universe. Gotcha. Um, yeah, that one that one's pretty good. Like I I've always wanted to work on like a legit kind of horror game, uh, and so yeah, finally get the chance. It's really fun to make horror music. It's um the the sort of chords and stuff you use are just these like it literally random chord like just you <laughs> kind of lean on your keyboard and that's a, that's a horror chord right it's um, yeah just complete dissonance yeah yeah just like that and it sounds like really unnerving and yeah kind of wrong and, but yeah. <laughs> yeah but you want it to sound like that so it's um you know it's great for me I don't I don't have that much like uh, sort of music theory knowledge so this is perfect to just kind of like lean on it and like <laughs> you know make crazy sounds it's yeah a lot of fun to make horror music. Damn, that's sick. Are you finding um, working on like three projects at the same time to be pretty overwhelming? Or do you, you think uh, at this point your organization yeah. skills and work ethic and all of that kind of stuff is sort of good enough that you uh, you can kind of manage that? It's uh, yeah, it's it's pretty full on. It's um, like I've, I sort of I managed to do it, but it's like I ended up having to put in like pretty long hours. I mean, I'm on average, I'm working like maybe 60 hours a week to keep up with these things so it's you know it's a lot but like at the same time it's like you know we've had like lockdown here for six months so it's like i couldn't leave anyway i couldn't <laughs> i couldn't go right. do anything else anyway so it was uh right yeah it's so cool it's, as well that like after like even though lockdown happened due to the nature of your job you didn't lose your job as a as a somebody in the music industry right because a lot of my friends did right and people yeah. who were touring and stuff like that and it was really yeah, only that, the sort of higher paid, bigger artists or people in cheap living situations or people who are living with their parents still and stuff like that who could actually continue being a yeah, musician right. even. Yeah, that must have been, that must have been rough. Like you, you were all right though, right? Like, well, I was okay, yeah, because yeah, I have the whole like tutorial thing going on and right. all, you yeah, know, I have yeah. like a, all the sample packs that I sell online. And I mean, I've always been heavy into YouTube and Twitch streaming and all of that kind of stuff. So yeah, it was fine for me, but uh, I was lucky, but... Um, yeah, but yeah, a lot of people were were definitely not, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, no, because you're you're pretty diversified. That that's really good. Like that's that's kind of that's why I took these kind of three three gigs now. Because like after I got cancelled, I was like, fuck, I had like nothing to fall back on. Like so now I'm like, okay, like I you know I need plan plan B, plan C, and all this sort of stuff. So that like that's that's partly the reason why I'm, I am working three jobs like in case you know and it's not like I'm not particularly worried about getting cancelled now because it's like at this point like anyone who hires me basically knows that like you know I said some edgy shit some years ago right uh, so at this point like the people that hire me they, they you know they're okay with that right um, but Still, it's good, you know, because you, ne you never know what happens with these companies. Like, they, you know, they all seem to be doing pretty well right now, but you don't know, right? Uh, they might go out of business. They might need to, like, you know, uh, cut down or whatever, right? So it's good to have, uh, you know, some backups. Yeah, totally. Cool, man. Well, yeah, I appreciate you coming on the podcast, man. It's been fun yeah, to catch thanks up. for having me. Yeah, of course. And, yeah, I'd love to work on something someday. Um, yeah, we yeah, definitely should. If I can get into the sound design industry, I've been trying to get it. I've been like toying with the idea of getting into it for a long time, but like the whole electronic music DJ career thing is also doing pretty well. And like, I'm also running yeah. a music label and doing tutorials. So I've got like too right. much shit on my plate currently, but I, I really do want to make a sound design reel at some point and get into that 
that industry. I think that's kind of like my uh, maybe my retirement plan <laughs> is to right. Yeah, just kind of chill out and and make some sounds. Yeah, like it's because it it is pretty chill work, right? It's um, it's just from home, and a lot of the time it's you know it's it's quite fun. Like you you know I'll get like a uh, you know like a like some concept art of a new creature, and then I just got to invent how it sounds like. It's, it's you know it's fun. It's fun, rewarding work. So yeah, definitely we should do um. Uh, you know, I'll give you some tips. You give me some tips about music, and yeah, yeah. super down. Yeah. All right, man. Well, yeah, thanks a lot. Cool, man. Hey, thanks for listening to the Mr. Bill podcast. These episodes are edited and uploaded by Robert Fumo. You can also support the show, get early access to episodes, and hear bonus content by going to patreon.com forward slash Mr. Bill's tunes and becoming a patron. Uh, please rate and review on iTunes unless you're going to be a little shit about it. And all the links to my various platforms are at mrbillstunes.com. Thank you. I don't